Equipping today's college students to make their four years count for eternity. This is the Campus Outreach Podcast. Let me tell you how my day started. I woke up this morning, it was really dark, it was really cold, made some breakfast, opened my Bible, got a little fireplace, I'm reading, I'm thinking, I'm meditating, I'm journaling. And at some point, before I head to campus, I go look at my phone, and I got a pretty unexpected text message. I look at my phone, and on the screen was a text that said, Hey Coach Ben, sometime today I'd love to have a conversation with you about how to connect with God. It's a pretty unexpected text. You ever woken up to a text like that? Even more shocking than what he asked was when he asked it. It was before 7 in the morning on a snow day. So what does that tell you? This is a guy who's really wrestling with the things of God. He's got questions. He's looking for answers. Perhaps he's even desperate at the end of his rope, and he's searching for something. Namely, he's searching for Christ. So I said, man, let's meet up, and we, we scheduled some time this afternoon, and we met in the cafeteria, and he sat across the table for me. We caught up a little bit and basically said, Ben, I am looking to change. You ever made that statement before? You ever had that thought? I'm looking to change. There, there's something I need to let go of. There's a relationship that needs to look different. There's something I need to stop doing. There's a habit I need to start doing. But this guy, in just the pit of his soul, felt like something needs to change. And here's what he said. He said, I'm sick of being the old me. I'm ready for something new. He said, I I got off to a good start last semester. We were tracking with some conversations. But then I went home. And I started hanging out in the old hood with my old boys. And I fell back into my old ways. One day I'm smoking, next day I'm dealing. I can't go back to that. I don't want to go back. Looked at me, said, I really want to change. Now, it might be something different for you. It might be an addiction, it might be pornography, it might be gossip, it might be slander, it might be a new habit. But everyone in this room can probably identify at least something in their life where they say, this needs to change. Did you know this? Americans, as a nation, we are notorious for wanting to change, but not being able to change. Well, what do you mean by that, Ben? Did you know this? That each and every year, there's this American tradition. Right after we see the ball drop and we count it down to the new year, what do we all do? We say what? It's time for new resolutions, new goals, new expectations. It's a new year, so it's going to be what? A new me. We all know something needs to change. We want to change, but we just can't change. Only 9% of New Year's resolutions actually last throughout the whole year. And most New Year's resolutions, guess what? They fail this week, two weeks into the new year. Because as Americans, and especially college students, we have desire, but we don't have the discipline to see it through. Now, here's what I'm going to show you on the screen are the most popular New Year's resolutions in America. And you can probably guess some of these. Okay, I gave the top six right here. We got exercise more, eat healthier, lose weight, save money, make more money, and spend less time on social media. Now, let's have a little interaction, crowd interaction right now. If you were just to analyze this, evaluate this, what do you think this says about our culture, our society, as you look at the main 
overarching, deepest desires of our nation. What can we learn here? We're selfish. We're selfish. Okay, what do you mean? Okay, it's very self-centered. There's not a whole lot about giving back, about service, about community. Well done, Anna. Straight up, we're selfish. I love it. Okay, what else? We're lazy. We're lazy. Okay, what do you mean? You guys are hardcore tonight. Let's hear it. Well, like, all you see is eat healthy or, like, lose weight. All those things take, like, you said, discipline. And, unfortunately, lazy doesn't have discipline. So, like, all those things take Okay. Yeah, we're, we're talking about a lot of basics. So this is a society of excess. We have a hard time saying no. Go ahead. We're easily overstimulated. Okay. Yeah. Explain that one. Okay. When I say we're easily overstimulated, we have access to too many things. When it comes to less social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and the rest have, have our attention and that's what That's what makes us a society of who we are today. We're easily stimulated. Our brains are addicted to seeing things. Okay. All right. I feel like we should trade places right now. That was great. Okay. So, so let me ask you this. Look at the first three. What are they all focused on? The health and the what? The body. Okay. The body. We're, we're more about the externals rather than the internal. Do you see anything about your soul, your spirituality, maybe your internal health? Number four, number five are all about what? Making money, okay? Finances, riches. And then number six is just like the, all, the, the unspoken addiction that we all have, right? Which is to our screens and to our phones. And so here's what I find so interesting and ironic about the new year, new me trend is that you can't really create a new me. Now, you may be able to like strengthen your body, improve your GPA, maybe grow your bank account by a couple percent, but you can't create a new me. You can't radically transform your life, let alone in 365 days. Second, we, we can change our body, right? You can increase your weight and whatever part of the body you want to work on, bigger buys, you know, a flatter stomach, you know, a juicier rear, whatever, whatever you're going for in the weight room, okay? Let me just say this. There, there, there's one part of the body we can't touch, we can't change, we can't transform, and it's our heart. It's our heart. And so do you see this? We care as a culture more about the outside than the inside. And so instead of talking about how you can achieve your new benchmarks or get on that new diet or learn a new language, tonight we're going to talk about how you can receive, not create, but receive a new heart. And this is the exact conversation I had with this young man at lunch today. Because he went over all of the new habits that he wanted to adapt He told me about all of the addictions and secret sins that he wanted to break. And I looked at him and I said to this young man, I said, dude, thank you for being so honest with me. And I'm really inspired by your desire to change. But I looked at him, I said, you know what? I got some really bad news for you. I said, you can't change. You can't change. And so he leaned in and he said, well, what do you mean? He said, I'm dedicated diligent. I'm focused. I said, if you really want your life to change, the first thing you got to realize is that you can't fix it. Only Jesus can. And that's what we're going to talk about this evening. What does it look like, okay, to get off the treadmill of self-improvement and actually to embrace Christ so that we receive a new heart? 
give you a couple verses right here. We talk about what does it mean that we can be in Christ, but also Christ can be in me. Every verse I'm reading right here comes from the Apostle Paul. He's writing to different churches. And there's going to be some similar themes from verse to verse. The first is 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says this. If you are in Christ, you see our theme? You're a new creation. Isn't this what everybody wants? The old is gone and the new has come. Let me explain a couple things. When Paul was writing this letter, he wrote it in the language of Greek. Now in Greek, they had two words for the word new. They had naos and kainos. And there's a big difference between the two. Naos means this, the latest version. Okay, so when you buy the latest version of Madden, when you get the F-150, that is the latest version. When your Apple iPhone like updates the iOS, okay, it's new, but it's not brand new. It's just the latest, greatest update, but it's not radically transformed. The word that Paul uses right here when he says that we're a new creation, the word is kainos. And it means brand new. It means radically new. It's not iPhone 12 to iPhone 13. It's the telegraph to FaceTime. And do you see what Paul is saying? When Christ comes within you, you're not just a little bit better. This isn't behavior modification. This isn't the latest version. It's not just a slight upgrade. You become brand new. Now, let me just say this, okay? The, the main theme of this talk is how do we get this new heart? But there's a lot of students in this room who have the new heart, and yet you're holding on to old habits. Am I right? And so God's given you a new heart, and yet you're passive, you're complacent, dare I say lazy, you're sleeping in. You're binging more Netflix than reading your Bible. You're spending more time on social media than in like encouraging conversations. And I would say this. The Bible would say, look, you can be in Christ, okay, but you can still be immature in Christ. And the goal of the Christian life is to be mature. Paul says this in another verse. For this I labor and toil and preach that everyone would be mature in Christ. So if you're in Christ, your goal should be mature in my faith. I want to grow. I want to develop. I want to be a disciple. But the real thrust of this talk is most of us in this room have an old heart and we're just trying to add new habits. Improvement, new goals, new expectations, and we're adding it on to an old heart. So how do I get the new heart? Well, let's look right here in Galatians 2.20. Paul says this once again. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives where? He lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, that's just skin and bone, my actual life. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, here's the first thing you got to understand. Now, this is a very southern statement. You might have prayed this prayer. You might have said this to your grandma, but nowhere in the Bible does it say, ask Jesus into your heart. Did you know that? See, oftentimes we think as Southerners, when I ask Jesus into my heart, I have my life, I have my plan, and I have my purpose, but I need some hell insurance. So I give Jesus just a corner of my heart. He can have a bit, he can have a piece, he can have a room, a closet, a percentage. Jesus doesn't play that game. Okay, when we're talking about our heart and we say, Jesus, come in me, 
Jesus doesn't want a portion of our heart. He says, I want it all because I'm your master. I'm your Lord. And when the Bible talks about the heart, we tend to think the heart is where we feel. When the Bible describes the heart, you know what the heart is? It's the center of who you are. It's what causes you to think and to feel and to act and to do and to behave and to relate to other people. The heart, biblically, is the very center of who you are. And Do you see what Paul is saying? God has designed us so that Jesus would be on the center and everything else in creation would be on the outside. But so often we reverse it. In fact, we inverse it. We tend to build our life around something else. So we put something in creation in the very center of our life. Success, our GPA, our relationship, our sports, our reputation. And then, because Jesus is on the outside, he's in my life, but he's not in the center. I just try to make a little bit of time for Jesus. You ever felt that before? So you wake up in the morning and you do whatever is the center of your life. That's what you invest your time into. So you do your homework, you play the game, you hang out with friends, you go to the gym. I mean, we're even so bold to call it just me time. I want me time. And then, if I finish my homework, or there's nothing going on socially, yeah, maybe I'll go to CO. Or maybe I'll read my Bible. Or maybe I'll carve out a little time to pray or to connect with other believers. And this is the change that Christ brings about. The first change that Christ will bring to your life is he will change your affections, which is your heart, and then he changes your behavior. And this is the change of when we come to Christ. Our deepest desires, our strongest desires are no longer for self and for my glory. It's for who? It's for Christ and his glory. This is why Paul says right here, I've been crucified. I've been crucified. He says, look, if Jesus died for me, it means death to myself. And what Paul is saying right here, I live for a different purpose. Each and every day, I don't wake up saying, what's my will? What's my desires? What's my wants? I say, what's thy will? Jesus, what do you want for me? Because I'm submitted, I'm surrendered to the desires of God. So here's what I'm going to do real quick. Just to illustrate, okay, what does it look like for Christ to be in me, but for me also to be hidden in God? Let's go to the next slide, okay? This is another verse in Colossians, okay? Do you see this? Same theme, your life is hidden with Christ in God. So let's just look at it this way. Here, here's what Paul is saying. Here's me, okay? Everybody check out the Tupperware box. So let me just say this right here. This is not original to me. We went to New Year's conference, heard a phenomenal Bible teacher named David Platt. And I saw him use this as an example. It was very compelling. So I'm bringing it to Bonner Lecture Hall. So this is me. And do you see what Galatians 2.20 is saying? Paul is saying, if I trust in Christ and surrender to him, Christ goes where? He goes in me. So I have a new heart. I have new desires. I no longer live for myself. I live for the glory and the kingdom of Christ. Is that good news? Yeah. Is it good news? Yes. But wait, there's more. Because not only does Christ come in us and give us a new desires, new nature, a new purpose. Do you see this? I'm also hidden, that means covered, surrounded by who? Surrounded by God. Do you see this? 
Brothers and sisters, this is the life of the Christian. Christ is in me. He's my heart. He's my center. He's my core. And the life I live, I live in the flesh. I go to class. I work out. I work a job. I practice each and every day. And I'm surrounded. I'm covered. I am boxed in by God the Father. I'm hidden in Him. Now let me just say this. This is the opportunity you have in 2024. Because think about it. You know what we want deep down in our heart of hearts with every New Year's resolution? Let's go back to those New Year's resolutions. Like what, what is the desire beneath the desire? Why do we want these things so badly? I know we got some psych majors in the room. What do we want deep down in our heart of hearts that would cause us to eat kale? That would cause us not to skip leg day. That would say, don't spend your money, save your money. What do we desire most? I think we want safety. I think we want security. I think we want stability. I mean, isn't that why we do things? If I can eat the right foods, if I can avoid the fried foods and the sugar and stay away from Coke, maybe I'll live longer and then I'll be secure. If I can exercise, I can have a strong body and I can avoid difficulty. If I can save my money, I can have a nice house, buy a nice car, and then I'll have a sense of security. That's why we've got to limit our social media because it causes anxiety. But let me just say this. Can these things deliver real security? Can your body give you real stability? Can your finances keep you safe? Let me just ask this, ask you this. If you're really looking for security, are you really going to find it in the gym? Are you really going to find it in your bank account? Maybe what you're really looking for is right here. Brothers and sisters, there is nothing more secure, more stable than the resurrected power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. God the Father, the creator and sustainer of this universe, saying, I want to envelope you, surround you, hem you in, front and behind, left and right. I want to cover you with my grace. Now let me just say this. What I'm not preaching right here is health, wealth, and prosperity. And if Christ is at the center, life is going to be smooth. It certainly won't. But the promise of Scripture is this. No matter what adversity, no matter what hardship, no matter what difficulty you encounter, Christ is in me, and I'm in God. And there's nothing better than that. So, the invitation we have this evening is this, is I can get off the treadmill of performance, of self-improvement, of new year, new me. So the question now is, well, how do I get Christ in me? How do I get it? If it's not resolutions, if it's not new goals, then Ben, what is it? And so this is the language I use. I don't like, you know, my wife absolutely hates resolutions. And so she uses different language. She likes to talk about rhythms. I talk about habits. I talk about disciplines. But here's what I want you to see. And this is really going to be an intro for the rest of the semester. What we're going to be looking at and discussing each and every week is how do I get more of Christ in the very center of my heart? And the picture we're going to use to describe this is of a wheel. Think like wagon wheel. Don't think like 22s on the Dodge Charger. This is an old school wagon wheel. And this wheel right here describes the Christian life 
and how I can how I can empower Christ to reside in me. Now, here's what I want you to see. There's two vertical spokes and there's two horizontal spokes. Now, the very core, the very center of the wheel is what? It's the hub. The hub's the most important part. That's what we've been talking about. Christ has got to be the center of your life. But then you also have this vertical spoke, which is how I interact or commune with God. And I do that through two ways. I read my Bible, okay, which is how I hear his voice. And then I also pray, which is how I can have the ear of God. But then I also have this horizontal spoke right here. And that's actually how I relate to other people. So for other believers who share the same heart and the same purpose, we have community or we have fellowship. And for my teammates and classmates and family members and somebody who lives down the hall or my coworker who doesn't know Jesus, we share the gospel with them. We tell them about Jesus. We call that witnessing or evangelism. So each and every week, what we're going to be showing you is a different way for you to grow deeper and stronger in your connection to having Christ in you. Now, I just want to mention one thing. Guys, if there was one habit, one rhythm, one discipline that I could beg and plead and ask you to consider, here it is. Here it is. May 2024 be the year that before you pick up your phone, you pick up your Bible. I'm just telling you this. If you're like, Ben, give it to me straight. What should I do? Ben, I'm a simple man. Just give me one thing. Here it is. Guys, if you got time to get on Snapchat, you got time to meet with God. Okay? Before you pick up your phone, pick up your Bible. Give God, okay, the first part of your day. Give Him the best part of your day. Allow Him to grow in the center of your heart. So, Here's where we'll wrap it up right here. Get you a little picture. Um, this is uh, 10 years ago. Most of y'all have been over to my house. This is me. Who is that beautiful, beautiful bride? That's my wife, Leah. So about a month ago, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary. I know you guys want to, you know, clap it up for that. Okay, there we go. So now here, here is the beautiful thing about anniversaries and weddings. So 10 years ago... Um, you know, in Birmingham, Alabama, on December 15th, I said, I do. I said, honey, I love you until death does us part. And you know what the cool thing about being married for 10 years is you never have to tell your spouse you love them again. It's really amazing because, because it's so formal. It's so professional. You have photographers and bridesmaids and groomsmen, beautiful white dresses, tuxedos, you got a pastor there, you got some music, you got a processional. It's such a big event that you never have to remind your bride that you love her because she never forgets that moment. And you sign a piece of paper that's like a marriage license. And then, you know, you have this ceremony and you have these toasts and the father gives the bride away. And it's so powerful, so poignant. My wife always knows that I love her deeply, and I've never had to remind her. I mean, it's just the beauty of marriage. Except it's not true. <laughs> and what my wife and, do, and I do, it's actually become a little bit of a tradition. Every year on our anniversary, okay, we pull out our wedding album. And we sit our kids down, and we actually have a wedding video. Okay? And we, in a sense, recreate our vows. 
But every month and every week and every day, I have to live up my vows. I have to remind her that, honey, I love you. I'm with you. I care for you. And each and every day ends, okay, with her passing out before me. Right before that, I love her and I kiss her, okay? Because we constantly need to be reminded. Let me just say this. Some of you, okay, when you heard me describe that story, would say it's unthinkable for a husband and a wife to live off a ceremony that happened 10 years ago. And yet that's exactly what you're doing with Jesus Christ. You're resting in a ceremony, a moment, an emotional decision. So here's what I'm trying to say. When Christ is in you, yes, it's a one-time decision, but it becomes a lifestyle. It becomes a daily decision. It becomes something you live out each and every day. And so what we want you to do is we want you to say, yes, I want Christ in me. I want to be surrounded by God. But then I want to build this relationship. And so that's what you're inviting you, we're inviting you to do each and every week. We want you to hear his voice. We want you to have his ear. We want you to belong to his body. We not only want you to know Jesus, we want you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus so that you can be a mature disciple of Jesus. So guys, 2024, it ain't new year, new me. Yes, it's a new year. But may this be the year that you would say Christ is in me. Okay, let me pray. Lord, we can get so fixated on just the smallest things and we can make it our life mission. If I could just have more followers, date this person, have this type of body and we will sell out and devote hours of our life to this. And yet you offer something so profound so impactful, so much better. You basically say, I'll come take residence in you. I'll give you my spirit. I'll animate you. I'll control you. I'll empower you. So Lord, I pray for the men and women in this room that we wouldn't just settle for physical goals, self-centered goals, temporary goals, that 2024 would be the year that we look back and say that was the year that Christ entered my life. But Lord, I pray we wouldn't stop there, that we would move towards maturity, that we would build the relationship whose love and depth and closeness grows each and every year. We wouldn't rest on a ceremony, but we would go deeper in our affection for you each and every day. So Lord, I pray for every man and woman in this room that when the semester ends, I hope they accomplish the goals that they were discussing earlier on. But more than that, they would say, Jesus, I know you in a deeper way. We praise your name. Amen.